I mean, I, I, for many, many years, I didn't have a clue that I had eternal life now. I didn't realize I had power over the devil now. I didn't know I was supposed to be reigning and ruling with God now on the earth. I thought that was all going to be future tense. I didn't realize that he healed me on the cross 2,000 years ago and that I could walk in divine health now. I thought I'd have no sickness and disease when I got to heaven. But when I learned all these things, I began to understand a little bit of why people would not receive this magnificent gift. I walk up to you and I say, Ma'am, did you know that Jesus has prepared a mansion for you in eternity that's got precious jewels for foundations? Usually that'll get to any woman, you know it? You know, the foundations of her home is going to be precious jewels. And she'll give anything she has to wear one on her ear or around her neck or on her finger here on earth. But when she gets to heaven, not only is the foundations of her home going to be made out of all these magnificent gems, but the streets in front of her home are going to be paved with beautiful gold. You know, I mean, can you imagine anybody turning that down? No, I, I can't beyond my wildest dreams. And I would wonder... Why is it, Lord? What is it? What is wrong when I tell people these magnificent things and they just say, I'm not interested, and they walk off? I said, Lord, there's got to be something wrong. So guess where you find all the answers to all of your problems? In the Word of God, the owner's manual. The owner's manual. So you take the owner's manual, and I go back to the owner's manual, and I said, Lord, there's got to be something in this book. I said, Lord, there's people out here that I've been praying and asking you to say for years, and nothing has happened. How many of you ever done that? Every one of us. How many of you prayed like I did? Lord, would you please save so-and-so? my aunt or my uncle or my wife or my child or my whatever, would you please save them? And you know what he's telling you? That's what I'm trying to do. And you say, Lord, what do you mean you're trying to do this? He said, well, first of all, all the answers are in my word. You say, now wait a minute, Lord. If you're trying to save them, why can't you? He tells you that I have limited myself on earth to you. I have given the church all power and authority on earth. I have saved you. I have healed you. I have delivered you. And I've given you everything you will ever need. When I said it is finished, I empowered you with everything you will ever need on the earth to reign and rule with me, to get your loved ones saved and everything. But all you're doing is asking me to do something I've already given you all the armament to do. And you think, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. So you go back to the Word and you want to find out, well, Lord, another thing I don't understand I don't understand why it took me 40 years to understand that you healed me on the cross. How could I read this book? From the time I was a little tiny kid taken to church, how could I go to a church that never taught me these things? How come it took me so long to learn these things? The same enemy that was blinding the minds of people to the gospel of Christ is blinding your mind to healing. When you finally get a hold of the fact that Satan has truly been completely disarmed and stripped of all of his power and armament and he has absolutely no power and authority over you as a daughter or a son of the king of the universe, not one bit of power does he have over you until you give it to him with your tongue. Satan has the power and ability to come inside of your physical body as a spirit being and put symptoms upon you. 
And I mean powerful symptoms. But that's all he can do. And he's going to wait to hear what you say with your mouth. Just like the little lady that came up here a while ago. Something has happened to one of her children, the young one. And so she took him to the doctor. And the doctor diagnosed, diagnosed him with the beginning of autism. If she buys that lie, she will open the door with her tongue for the demonic spirit of autism to come into her child. And that child will receive that spirit of autism and he will get worse and worse and worse in his life. And he will never be a useful individual on this earth because of a deceptive devil that lied through a doctor because he put symptoms upon the child which they took him to the doctor and now you're either going to believe what that doctor says or you're going to believe what the Word of God says. The devil is doing everything he's doing by deception. It took me a lifetime to learn these things. And it took me thousands of hours in God's Word to get hold of these things. Then I learned the answer. And the answer was in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. I'm going to read this to you out of the Living Bible. There's many different translations of the Word of God. And the Living Bible has this scripture translated in such a tremendous simple thing. Now, I know that some people say, I don't like different translations, but if you read them all, you learn some good things. You have to back everything up with the original Hebrew and Greek. Because in the Greek, just like the Hebrew, but especially the Greek, when you convert it to English or translate it to English, the same word in the Greek will have a half a dozen different words in the English. And it makes it very difficult to get the full understanding without knowing what it says in the Greek. And when you learn that, then you even step into a new realm. But nothing's impossible. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to start out in verse 1. I'm going to start out in verse 1, and I want to read something to you in verse 1. It is God himself in his mercy who has given us this wonderful work for telling his good news to others, so we never give up. Now, of course, that's the first thing we do too often as Christians. We give up. Well, the first thing you need to know, you're in a war. You're fighting a war, or you're fighting a battle... In this war, that our king has already won the war. But we have to fight our own individual battles on earth for the souls of men and for the healing of our bodies. Because the devil will come to you and attack you. He has no legal claim to you. None whatsoever. But I'm going to tell you, Everybody that I know in church is just exactly like I was most of my life until I learned these things. Anytime a serious pain or symptom came upon me, the first thing I would do, I would turn over in the morning and say to my wife, Honey, I'm sick. I feel terrible this morning. Yeah, I might have felt terrible. I might have had the symptoms. But when I learned that that devil had no legal right to me, when I learned that from that day forth my tongue, I never claimed sickness again. I jumped on that devil like a duck jumping on a June bug when that duck is hungry. And I'm telling you, I'd gobble that devil up with the word of God and kick him out, and then I'd get up and go do what I wanted to do. And when I learned that, I guarantee I have never been sick since I learned those things. I don't care what kind of symptoms the devil puts on me. When I learned that Jesus bore my pain, bore my sickness, and removed my disease on the cross... I am not going to confess anything but health and prosperity. I am never going to confess the things of the world. Because the minute you start confessing the things of the world, when your tongue, when your tongue speaks 
anything besides God's Word, it opens a door to a demon. That is the only way Satan can get legal claim to you is with your tongue. So that's why it's important that you watch what you say and that you never give up. Verse 2 says, we do not try to trick people into believing. We are not interested in fooling anyone. We never try to get anyone to believe that the Bible teaches what it does not. All such shameful methods we forego. We stand in the presence of God as we speak. And I appreciate though about that so much about Brother John. He tries his best to tell you that right now our king is standing right here in this place today. He has angels here. Everything is here. He is here. Now then, if we really believed he was here, many of us would act different. We really would. We say that, but it really hasn't become a revelation that the king, Lord, you're here. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We thank you for being here in this little meager meeting that we're having today. We're doing it in your name. So, Father, we thank you that the Son is here. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is here. And we worship you and praise you. And may you be glorified in all we do today in this place. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. He says, now then, so we speak, we stand in the presence of God as we speak, and so we tell the truth as all who know us will agree. Now listen carefully to this next verse. Very carefully. And follow along in your Bible. Your translation may read a little different, but this is what it's saying. If the good news we preach is hidden to anyone, it is hidden from the one who is on the road to eternal death. Satan, who is the God of this evil world, has made him blind, unable to see the glorious light of the gospel that is shining upon him or to understand the amazing message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is God. So if, in, if our gospel is hidden or veiled to anyone, it's veiled to those that are lost. Because the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded their mind to the gospel. I taught this one time in a class, and a lady just jumped up and she said, I never dreamed when I read that, that the God of this world was Satan. She said, I thought the God of this world was God. See how blinded our minds are. Now, when God originally made the earth, who did he give it to? Man. You and me. He gave us dominion over it. He gave us the authority and power over the earth. And we were to reign and rule over the earth and we were to never die. We were to live forever. He said, I only give you one thing you cannot do, and you cannot eat of that tree in the midst of the garden. Because the minute you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Until that time, man was never going to die. We were going to live eternally. Isn't that awesome? That God would make us in his image and his likeness and give us this magnificent ball this globe that he made it, he called the earth, and he gave it to us as a gift. Free. No strings attached. And like dummies, when the devil come along, that deceptive beast, he come along and blinded the mind of Eve. He says, has God really said? Does that sound like him? Has God really said? Yes, God did tell us not to eat of the fruit. But he is a deceptive beast, and he is very, very good at what he does. The woman being, in, being deceived was in the transgression. The man not being deceived. The man was not deceived. 
Man had heard it directly from God. And he knew when Jesus told him, You shall not eat of that tree. Because if you do, you will surely die. So he went and told his wife. And so the devil went to her. So he deceived her. And then he, she came and said, It was good. Try some of it. So he said, Okay. And so he did. And when they did that, we transferred our allegiance on this earth. We transferred our allegiance from God the Father to the devil. And we transferred our dominion and authority and power over the earth to the devil. And we which were made as gods of this world, according to Psalms 82, 6, became the slaves of the devil and he became the God of this world and the prince of the power of the air of this world. And for 4,000 years, we were his slaves. We had absolutely no power over him. The first 4,000 years of history in the Old Testament, there's not one single time where anybody had power over the devil, where they cast out the demon, they'd done anything to Satan. He's the boss. He killed us with impunity. He can do what he will with his own. And that's who we belong to, the devil. It's amazing what the scripture teaches you. But finally, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth, walked as a man, and showed you and me what a man can do. He laid down his total deity and he came here and because he was born from the Father but of a woman, he was earthly. He had an earth suit. Since man lost the earth, he had to find a man that could swing this thing back to man. To do that, Jesus had to be virgin born. If he was not from the Father, then he was from Adam and Eve, and he received the taint of evil from them, and he was not divine, and therefore could not enter the legal battle to gain the earth. He was Satan's slave, just like we were. But he was unique. He was from the Father, and in him, since there was no sin... Satan had no claim to him. Now, the battle raged for 33 years to kill this man with the greatest intensity. The battle raged between Satan and Jesus. He tried everything known that he knew. He'd done his best and his worst in those days to try to get Jesus to fall one time in relation to his father. And if he had of you and me would have been con eternally condemned. He was the only man that could have won back what we gave away. Man's eyes had been blinded by the God of this world. Man's eyes are still blinded by the God of this world. We find right here in 2 Corinthians 4 that if there's any lost, Anybody in your family today that's lost, and you were lost at one time, every one of us, somebody, somebody somewhere had to petition God before you to be saved because God has limited himself on the earth to the prayers of faith of the church. If you have been so dense in thinking that, well, my loved one or my children, I will just let them do what they want to do. And if it be God's will, they will come into the kingdom and get saved. You are foolish. Because I can assure you that the devil of this world will blind their minds and they will never come to know Christ. And then I begin to realize that in Matthew 13... And Mark 4 and Luke 8, the answer was there. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom 
and does not fully understand it, the evil one, who do you think that is? Satan. Satan comes immediately and steals the word out of your heart. Now, I don't understand how this beast can penetrate your being and go right inside your chest into your heart and the words that you just heard through your ears that's vibrated through your being and come all the way down in your heart. How when you walk out that door, that devil can have a demon standing at the door and he just reach in your heart and steal every word you got. If you didn't fully understand it, he can do that. That's why I've started teaching the Word of God with such simplicity and such simple words. I want to put it on the bottom shelf where the littlest children can get the cookies. I don't want to use these big fancy words that you don't understand. As an engineer or a mechanic or a, a mechanical engineer or a guy that was trained up on the farm, I want to use simple terms that everybody can understand. No big words in my vocabulary. I want it simple. I want you to understand the power of the devil to deceive you and the power of the devil to blind your minds as a Christian and for sure the power of the devil to blind the minds of the lost. It doesn't make sense at all that you can tell someone that's lost, Jesus loves you. He paid the price for you. Every sin you've committed, he has forgiven. It's washed away by the blood. And all you got to do is say, Lord, I want you. And he'll forgive you, save you, bring you into the kingdom. And they say, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I don't want that stuff. But now you, you know why they don't want that stuff. Because their eyes have been blinded by the God of this world, which is Satan. So what do you do about this? Good question, isn't it? What do I do? How do I keep him from doing this? Hmm. If these people are not interested in being saved... And we got all these problems we got of the Satan just grabbing all these words out of our heart. Now, if Calvary, the cross, was really a victory, and I got a 90-minute tape on the cross, when if it's really a victory, then why is it that Satan appears to be running things? Who is it appears to be in control of what's going on on the earth? Appears to be Satan, doesn't it? Well, just like I said last night, Calvary has to be enforced by the church. Amen. So from these scriptures, we have learned why people that are not interested in God's word, this magnificent gift, we've learned what the problem is. It's Satan and his demonic spirits. They have blinded the minds of the people that's not interested in hearing the gospel. When you really stop and think about the last thing the Lord says when he got ready to leave this earth to go back to heaven, after his death, burial, and resurrection, you've got to realize that the minute that Jesus was t driven all the way to the cross and died on the cross, when he died on the cross, the scripture says if Satan had known what he was doing, he would not have crucified the Son of Glory. Because the minute Satan destroyed the body of Jesus on the cross in the judicial system in heaven, it says in Genesis 6, 9, that when any man takes an honest man's life, his blood is required of him. That's how our Savior defeated the devil, by dying. Allowing the devil to kill him by freely letting the devil take him to the cross and kill him. When the devil killed an innocent man, he destroyed himself. I want you to see that in Hebrews 2.14. In Hebrews 2.14, in the Living Bible, it says, Since we, God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. He, Jesus, became flesh and blood too by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he, Jesus, 
die and in dying break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Does your Bible read something like that? Hebrews 2.14? Hebrews 2.14. So by becoming flesh and blood, our Savior, when He died on the cross, He destroyed Him who had the power of death. That is the devil. He destroyed Him who had the power of what? Death. If He destroyed Him that had the power of death, that is the devil, then you and I don't have to sweat the devil no more. Then Jesus, by doing this, when he got ready to go back to heaven, he's standing on the Mount of Olives, and he held up his hand to bless his men, and he says, All power in heaven and earth is given to me. Now you go and you preach this gospel to every creature and everyone that believes and is baptized will be saved. And everyone that will not believe you will be condemned to hell. And these signs shall follow them that believe. And it's a shame that there's so many unbelieving believers in the church. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In Mark 16, verse 17 says, In my name they shall cast out demons. And you know how many Christians that believe they can cast out a demon that I run into? Virtually none. Very few. So see, they're an unbelieving believer. Who has this power? We do. The body of Christ. We do. Every one of you can do exactly what Brother John and I do. Every one of you have the power in you to go and lay your hands on a sick person, your own children. If the devil comes up on one of your children, don't take them to the doctor. Make sure your sins are confessed. Walk over and lay your hands on that child and say, Devil, I am a daughter of the king. And you're not going to make my children sick because it's written right here in God's Word. I command you, devil, to come out of my child and you, you, go, you go to the pit of hell and you stay there and don't you ever come back in Jesus' name. The other day, well, another day, two years ago, a woman on a Sunday afternoon asked me to come over to Louisville. Her 15-year-old boy was totally blind. He had two big tumors on his optic nerves. They had pushed down... And blinded him. And she heard about me in the ministry. So I went over and met with this woman. And one other woman. And this 15 year old boy. And I met with her and them in the office. Her office in Louisville. And I started teaching her and her son. God's word. Two hours into the teaching. The woman broke down and started crying. She said I have been in church all of my life. And I didn't know these promises. Why in the world don't they teach these things in church? And the other woman was there. She had been to three or four of my teachings. She said, every time I've ever been in one of Thurman's teachings, that's what everybody says. But said he teaches the Word of God. So anyway, two hours later, I finally thought, well, you all have heard enough faith now. Now I'm going to start praying for Raymond. So I walked up behind him and I laid my hands on him and I said, you foul spirit of hell. I command this tumor to dissipate. I said, you demon of hell, I take authority over you and I command you to leave him. I curse this cancer. I curse these tumors in the mighty name of Jesus and I demand that they leave him in Jesus' name. I said, Lord, thank you for your power. And I commanded and continued to stay with it. And after about 10 or 15 minutes, I said, now Raymond's son, open your eyes and tell me you can see. He said, Mr. Scrivener, I can't see a thing. So I'd do it, go at it another 15 minutes. And finally an hour went by. And I said, five hours, I've been talking continuously. And the last hour has been intensive. I said, I'm tired. I said, Nancy, that's his mother. I said, you take a turn. Now, I've been an example for five hours. You would think this woman would begin to get a hold of this. 
she gets up and lays her hands on her son's head and said, Mr. Devil, would you please leave my son? I said, that's all right, Nancy, sit down. That's not the way you get the devil out. That would be like when I went to Vietnam, if I walked up and they had machine guns, and I said, guys, I got a knife. You guys lay down your gun. And they say, yeah, sure, blew it, and you're dead. That's exactly what it would have been like. I mean, you have to have bigger guns than the devil. So you quote the word, and you don't quote them gently. You get violent with the devil, letting him know that you are not going to let that devil make your children sick because you as a son or a daughter of the king of the universe until you yield to sickness and disease with your tongue the devil has no legal claim to you because you're as a daughter or a son of God you are washed in the blood and every sin you've ever committed is under the blood and Jesus healed every one of us 2,000 years ago on the cross. So there should not be one single sick Christian. Not one. That's what the Lord come to do. Now then, in Colossians 2, 13, 14, and 15, I want you to see some more of what the Lord had done. In Hebrews 2, 14, and 15, what did He do to the devil? Defeated him who had the power of death. Hebrews 2, 14, by becoming flesh and blood, He defeated him. According to 1 John 3, 8, He destroyed him. He's trying to tell us something here. Colossians 2, 13. You were dead in sins, and your sinful desires were not cut away. Then he gave you a share of the very life of Christ, for he, Jesus, forgave all your sins. Is that good news? That's good news. And blotted out the charges... Proved against you the list of his commandments which you have not obeyed. And I'm telling you, we have not obeyed his commandments. I'll say that. We're everyone guilty. He, Jesus, took the list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Is that good news? That's good news. And in this way, verse 15, and in this way God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin. Just think, in the courtroom of heaven, for Satan stands accusing you and me day and night. And that's what Revelations 12 says. Satan accuses you and me of sin day and night. If you have confessed your sins, if you confess it, once you come to Christ, every sin you had committed was under the blood. All of them. Then if you sin, which you should not, but if you sin after that, what do you have to do to be clean before God? Confess it. So when you confess that to the Lord, now you're clean. Somebody said, well, I'm just an old, unworthy sinner. Forget it. If you see yourself as an old, unworthy sinner, don't ever catch yourself into the throne room and ask God for anything because He's going to say, you're lying. You're not an old, unworthy sinner. I sent my son to clean you up on the cross 2,000 years ago and you dare walk into my throne room confessing you're an old, unworthy sinner after what I've done for you through my son on the cross? See, that, that's what we do. So if somebody walked up to you and you had told somebody you'd just done something for them, and they walked up to you and started denying what you had done and calling you a liar, how would you feel about them? You wouldn't feel too good, would you? That's what God feels about us. We break his heart when we call him a liar. But when you do what he says, wow, does he show up. He's awesome. Now then, if in this way... God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin and God openly displayed to the world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all forgiven. If he completely disarmed and triumphed over the devil on the cross, if he disarmed the devil, 
spoiled him, took all of his power away, and triumphed over the beast completely in the cross, then how much power does Satan have left over you and me? None. Not much. None. I mean, all power of Satan over you has been taken away by the blood of the Lamb. Now then, Jesus, after he kicked Satan out of heaven, in Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, and I've heard Brother John quote this two or three times since I've been here. This is an awesome scripture, and I don't know how the enemy could have blinded my mind to these words so many years, but he did. Think of this. Behold, Jesus is speaking. Behold, I give unto you authority to trample on the serpent and his scorpions. All power is given to you over them. They shall in no wise hurt you. Be not thankful that the evil spirits have to be subject unto you, but rather be thankful that your name is written in heaven. What in the world do you do with a promise like that? Hallelujah. <laughs> That's it, young lady. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. Whenever that devil used to blind my mind, I'd look at that and I'd say, Behold, I've given you power to trample on a serpent. Well, guess what immediately the devil would bring to my mind? A snake crawling on the ground. A serpent? Lord, I mean, what... Why, do, why have I got authority over serpent? I'm not going to mess with no rattlesnake. I mean, I'm not going to be one of these snake handlers, you know, these churches that, that do that. There's some crazy ones out there. And a scorpion? Lord, I mean, a scorpion, if I see a scorpion, I want to mash him. You know, what's the big deal? And he just blinded my mind, the devil did. And then one day, I'm beginning to learn how to take authority over the devil, just a little and how to speak directly to him and command him to get out in Jesus' name. I'm just barely touching this. But by barely touching it, when I command Satan to leave in the name of Jesus, guess who has to leave? Satan. And so then one day I have done that, and then I read this scripture, said, Behold, I've given you power to trample on the devil and his demons. I thought, the devil and his demons? All power is given to me over them, the enemy. He shall in no wise hurt me. Be not thankful that the evil spirits have to be subject to me. I said, Lord, Satan, the serpent, and his demons. You're talking about the devil and his demons. I said, the evil Praise God, I've got authority over them. They have to be subject. They have to be obedient to me when I speak in your name. I said, Lord, that means when I lay my hands on somebody that's sick and command a demon to leave, and I do it, and guarantee he's got to come out. He's got to come out. Now then, if we have all authority over the enemy, and he must be subject to us, what else can we do? Well, let's go back to the Word of God, and let's see what we can do. And somebody asked me this question last night, and I told them where this scripture was found. But this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 3. Now, this is a very, very important scripture, learning how to overcome the enemy. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3, it says, It is true that I am an ordinary, weak human being. Does that sound like you and me? Yeah, we're all ordinary weak human beings. Compared to the power of God and the power of the devil, you and I are a pushover in the flesh. You know, we have no power at all in the flesh. I, it is true, I am an ordinary weak human being, but I don't use human plans and methods to win my battles. Now that's the first secret you don't use. If you take a knife or a gun, or a bomb, what can you do to a spiritual being? Nothing. Nothing. The only thing you can destroy is flesh. But I use God's mighty weapons, not those made by man, to knock down the devil's strongholds. These weapons can break down every proud argument. Now listen to me closely. I love this translation in the Living Bible. These weapons can break down every proud argument against God 
and every wall that can be built to keep men from finding Jesus. Think about that. These weapons can break down every proud argument. Every argument that anybody comes against you with about Jesus. Every, I can break down every proud argument against God and every wall that can be built to keep men from finding Jesus. How many walls can you break down? All of them. With these weapons, I can capture rebels and bring them back to God and change them into men whose heart's desire is obedience to Christ. With a promise like that, you have nothing to fear. Think about what they just said. How many walls can you break down? All of them. Everybody that's disobedient to Christ, what can you do to these rebels? You can bring them back in. Sure. You have power over them. And verse 6 says, I will use these weapons against every rebel who remains after I have first used them on you, yourselves, and you surrender to Christ. Now when you learn these things, you can bring anybody into the kingdom. I had somebody say the other night, do you mean I can bring somebody into the kingdom against his own will? Yes. Yes. Sure. That's what this is saying. His will is against God because who has blinded his mind? The devil. It's not that human being. No human being in their right mind wants to die and go to hell and live in the fires of hell. No human being wants to do that in the flesh. I mean, if I walked up to any human being, I can just imagine right now. If I walked up to this precious young person right here right now, and I said, I'll tell you what I've got for you. I've got right here in my pocket a ticket from here to Hawaii and back and $5,000 spending money for you to go and have a blast. Would you like to take it and go? Oh, you. (laughs) I mean, that wasn't very difficult for me to convince you, was it? Not at all. How many of you would take that? Every one of you would. Now then, is that anything? But I walk up to this precious young person and I say, I have the king of the universe waiting to forgive every sin to bring you into his kingdom, to give you all power over the enemy, and to give you a magnificent mansion in heaven that's got streets paved with gold and jewels for foundations. How would you like to take it? It's a free gift. And they say, I'm not interested. Makes you wonder, doesn't it, young lady? But see who's blinded their mind to the things of God. The devil. So what can you do? You can take these mighty weapons of God that God has given us. Well, what in the world are these weapons? Oh, that's absolutely. That's one of them. Let's go down through here and look at some of these weapons. Matthew 16, 19. Let's start with that. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Wow, I can't think of anything I'd rather have than the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Wow. What power. Anything. He's given it to us as a church. Whatever we allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. He's given us this power. And then let's go a little bit further. He tells us in Matthew 18, 18, he gives it to us again. Because assuredly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I again say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they shall ask, it will be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. You realize how many times God told us something twice? Even His magnificent promises. He tells you two times. So if Satan can be bound by the believer or his demons, his demons can be bound by the believer, by the power of the Holy Spirit, loosed on someone, we are ready to go to battle. Now we're ready to fight the battle. When we learn who we are. Now this is the way you fight the battle. First of all, this secret I learned the hard way. 
you start doing warfare against the devil from the earth and you get beat up on because there is a group of demons called principalities powers rulers of darkness which are earth bound and then there's spiritual wickedness in the heavens in high places well from the earth I can do all kinds of damage to Satan's demons that are on earth, but I can't reach those beasts up there. So by not being able to reach them up there, I wondered when I started doing spiritual warfare from the earth, I started getting beat up on. My church started getting beat up on. We started having excessive sickness and disease in the church. Women started miscarrying babies. Lord, I don't understand this. He said, you're doing your warfare from the earth. And you can't reach the spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. I said, so what do I do, Lord? He says, catch yourself up into your position in the third heaven where you're above them. I said, Lord, how do I do that? He said, how do you do everything in my kingdom? I said, by faith. He said, that's it. He said, you close your eyes. You envision yourself leaving the earth. You, by faith, envision yourself going right through the second heaven. You can see all those spiritual wickedness all throughout there. But I've sent my angels to be companions to protect you as you go through the second heaven. He said, envision yourself coming right into the throne room where I've already seated you with my son. He said, when you get there, now then you're in the third heaven. He said, now then you can do all kinds of warfare against Satan and his demons and you're high above them and they're under your feet. I said, Lord, this is awesome. So I started changing my way of doing things. I started catching myself up into the third heaven by faith. I can do this driving down the road in my truck with my eyes wide open. When I learned this, I began to come against the devil. I began to come against, I'd catch myself up and I'd envision myself seated with Christ in the third heaven. Does the word of God say that's where you are? Sure it does. So why don't we start believing the book? I'd catch myself right up there in my rightful position. And I, of course, I, first I've taken many a person into the third heaven. And I've had, I said, now we're going to pray. We're going to come against the forces of darkness for your wife or your husband or whatever they are. I said, close your eyes and by faith envision you're seeing everything I'm saying. And I would tell them, I said, now then realize that we're here on earth. We're on our knees right here, but your eyes are closed. And all of a sudden, see yourself coming out of your physical body. See yourself going through the roof of the church. And then see yourself right out there and you're looking down and you see the church from on top. And look around and you see everything. I said, then envision us headed plumb out of the atmosphere of the earth. Now we're into the second heaven out there. And I said, begin to see the spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies coming to attack you. But I said, envision that God sent his angels and his chariots of fire to walk along or to fly along beside us and protect us and keep us free from these beasts. I said, then envision that we're just going, leaving them in our vapor trail. And I said, then envision us coming in and we're, there's heaven and the brilliance of it and the beauty of it. And we're coming and approaching the throne room of God where our Savior is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're seated with him in Christ in the third heaven. I said, now see yourself coming into him as his body. Now, see yourself in Christ, looking down through his eyes to the earth below and to the second heaven where all Satan and his demons are. And I said, now begin to exercise your power and authority as a son or a daughter of the king. Begin to tell the father, Lord, I'm tired of Satan and his demons binding and blinding the mind of my mate or my children or my loved one, so-and-so, John Doe. And in the name of Jesus, I demand, Satan, 
that you withdraw those spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies that are transmitting power and authority to the demons on earth that are blinding the minds of my loved one John Doe or Jane or Susie or whatever their name is. And I'm not going to let you have them no more. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to let you have them no more. I said, now, Father, that I've taken authority over the demons, Satan and his demons, and I'm high above him and all power is given to me over him. He has to be subject to me in your name. I said, now then, Lord, you said no one comes into the kingdom of God except to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. I said, Father, I ask you to send that mighty Holy Spirit that's on earth and that Holy Spirit begin to woo and convict and draw my loved one into the kingdom of God and bring them in and convict them of sin. I said, now, Father, I ask you to send the proper labor into the harvest. And if that labor can be me, send me. But if it's not me, you know who the proper labor is that can bring my loved one to you. And Lord, I want to thank you because I prayed this prayer in accordance with your word. And you said, anything I pray in accordance with your word and your will, and I know it's your will to save every human being. Because you said in John three sixteen that you don't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of God. I said, I know it's your will to save every human being. So I know that you've heard this prayer. I know I have my answer. And now it's done. My loved one is saved in the name of Jesus. And then you just worship and praise the king as long as you want to stay up there in his presence. And when you finally, if you finally do get tired of staying in the presence of God in the third heaven, then as you walk out of the throne room of God, and you say, Lord, we're going to be back soon. We're not going to be gone long. And I said, you begin to see yourself descending from the third heaven back into the second heaven. You're going to see those spiritual wickedness come again against you. But realize your angels are with you and the chariots of fire to protect you. And see yourself coming right through them, right back down to the earth, right down to the first heaven. See yourself regaining the entry right into the earth, just like the shuttle does. And you come through. And then you see yourself approaching the church or your home or your car, whatever it is. And you come right back down in here. And then you open your eyes and say, thank you, Lord, for the privilege to doing warfare from the heavenlies. To give you an example, I have, when I first learned this, I mean, I prayed for people and nothing happened. And I know many of you have done the same thing. When I learned this, I can think, think of men, and right now a man comes to my mind. I walked up one morning to a man. I walked up, I shook his hand, and I said, Good morning, sir. I'm Thurman Scribner. He said, I'm Larry. I said, Good, Larry. How are you doing? He said, I'm fine. I said, Where do you go to church? I don't go to church. If I want to be preached to, I'd go to church. He said, You talk to the other guys about that religious junk. But he said, don't you talk to me about it. How many of you have ever met a person like that? I said, all right, no problem. So I walked off, and the next morning, I'm coming to work, and I catch myself up into the third heaven. When I'm up into the third heaven, driving along in my truck, I get up there and I'm sitting in Christ. I look over and I said, Father... I am tired of the devil blinding that mind of Larry yesterday that I met. That man needs to be saved. You love him just like you do me. So I said, Father, since I'm your son and Satan has to be subject to me, I said, Devil, come in here and sit down in my pickup right now in the name of Jesus. I said, Now, Devil, I've got a word for you from the Lord. I said, I've been given all power and authority over you, mister. I said, I'm fed up with you blinding the mind of this man, Larry. Because the Word of God says if there are any lost, it's because you have done it. I said, that man is not, you're not going to drag that man into hell because I'm taking authority over you and I'm commanding you in the name of Jesus from the third heaven to stop blinding his mind by those spiritual wickedness in the heavens and those demons. I said, do you hear me? I am not taking no for an answer from you. I have all authority over you because Christ in me, the hope of glory is in me, and the Holy Spirit is in me, and I am much bigger than you are because I have them in me. 
I said, now Satan, you can get out of my truck. And then I stay up there and worship the king a while. Early all the way to work, a 45-minute drive. Just as I drive in, I said, Lord, i got to go down now. I said, I'm going to go down. And I said, Lord, I want to thank you for saving Larry. Next time I saw Larry a few days later, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. I said, you're saved. I don't believe in that junk. I said, I know, but you're saved. I said, I'll kick the devil out of you and you're saved. I said, you ain't going to have nothing to say. He said, I ain't never going to get saved. I said, oh, yeah. I just walked on off. Didn't say another thing to him. Next morning, I caught myself back up in the third. I did that every day for two weeks. Same thing every day. I said, Devil, you ain't gonna have it. You ain't gonna have it. I said, Father, you said whatever I ask you in the name of Jesus from the third heaven, it's mine. Guaranteed every time. It's done. So Larry saved. About two weeks. I come in real early one morning. I went in, I was working on the computer trying to get some stuff up and he walked in. He says, uh, Thurman, uh, mind if I sit here and drink a cup of coffee and maybe talk to you a minute? I said, No, go ahead. Sitting there drinking his coffee, he says, Where do you go to church? <laughs> I said, I go to the First Baptist Church up in Justin. He said, what do you think about people like Robert Tilton? I said, the man made a mistake. I said, he's a man of God. He made a mistake. No big deal. I said, God takes care of his kids. You know, he knows what he's doing. I said, the man just made a mistake. He said, what do you think about a guy like Jimmy Swagger? I said, another great man of God. I said, he just made a mistake. I said, just unfortunate that we do that, especially as pastors. I said, we make mistakes. And when we make a mistake, I said, the world crucifies us. I said, and the church crucifies us. But I said, there were both great men of God that loved God. Just made a mistake. He said, well, what do you think about all these preachers that ask for money all the time? I said, Larry, it takes money to run the kingdom of God. Nothing is free. I said, you know, you work here every week. You expect to get paid. You have to pay your bills. I said, you know what? I said, the devil will tell you, don't dare go down to that church. Because if you go down to that church, all that preacher is going to want your money. And I said, the devil will feed you that lie and he'll cheat you out of the blessings of God and then one day you'll get old and you'll die and the devil will drag you screaming into the pit of hell saying, you fool, the price of salvation was paid and I deceived you and now you're going to spend eternity in this godless hell with me. And that man jumped up and liked to knock his cup of coffee. He said, I've heard that voice. He said, he ain't going to have me. I said, he's going to have you if you don't change your ways. What do I have to do? I said, stop by the store this morning on the way home from work and buy you a Bible. And start reading in the book of Matthew. I said, when you have some questions, come and ask me and I'll give you the answers. So he started reading every day. And about three weeks into it, he come upon the plan of salvation. He's a thermon. This, this couldn't be this simple. This says all i got to do is ask Jesus into my heart to be saved. I said, that's exactly right. I said, why don't we do that right now? He said, I'd love it. So I led that man into the kingdom. This is a man that every other word out of his mouth was a word of profanity. He had been divorced twice. He, or, or, no, he'd been married twice. He was married then. He had been an alcoholic, a drunk. He was 50 years old. He was wondering if he was going to make it two or three more years because he had so much problems with both arms. He had already had surgery on one arm. And it hurt so bad he wasn't going to have surgery on the other arm. He couldn't hardly work. He had been down in his back for 30 years off and on. He had had so much back trouble. He had, was always in excruciating pain in his back. And now I got him saved. He's come into the kingdom. So a few weeks after I got him saved, I'm down there one day, and one of the guys said, Thurman, this Jesus you preach to us is absolutely real. I said, so? And he said, well, I said, what made you change your mind? And he said, this guy, Larry. I said, this guy, I've known Larry for 10 years. I said, this guy's a drunk. I mean, this guy is mean. This guy uses profanity, every other word, and said, you got him saved. He ain't used a curse word since. He said, this guy's always talking about Jesus. said, everything about him has changed. He said, this Jesus is really real. I said, isn't that wonderful? And so Larry went down there, and he's down there, and he's doing something, and he said, oh, man, my arm's killing me. I said, what's wrong with your arm? All right, he said, well, I had surgery on this one about 
four or five years ago. And he said, this arm, uh, it took months for this thing to heal. He said, they had to go in there and cut it all open and break this part in here. And said, it took three months for it to heal and the pain was excruciating. He said, I'm not going to have this one fixed. I said, well, but you're a son of God now. He said, well, what does that mean? I said, well, go home tonight and read one promise in God's word 12 times. Well, what promise is that? I said, Matthew 18, 19. Matthew 18, 19. Go home and read that 12 times. And then in the morning when you come in, I want you to tell me what God's word says. I said, read it out loud. How does faith come? By hearing what? The Word. The Word. So if he reads it 12 times, I mean, even if he's a man. The Lord, Lord said only a man's got to have it twice. So if he reads it 12, he ought to at least get it, right? So see, I know these things. So the next morning he comes in. I said, well, Lord, did you read that? Oh, yeah. I said, what did it say? He said, man. He said, that says if two of us on earth agree about anything, he'll do it. And I said, that's what he meant. He said, in sermon, that's too awesome. I said, no, it's not too awesome. I said, now then, if you and me... I said, you want? He said, of course. I said, am I one? He said, yeah. I said, there's two. And I said, he said, on earth? I said, we meet the criteria. There's one, two, we're standing on earth, right? He said, yeah. I said, so we meet his criteria. I said, let me ask the Father in the name of Jesus to heal your arm and thank him for it. And I said, it's done. He said, Thurman, it couldn't be that easy. I said, yeah, it's that easy. He said, okay. I said, Father, in Jesus' name, please heal Larry's arm. Thank you, Lord. I said, done. I said, now move your arm. He said, man, it hurts just like it always did. I said, well, it's not going to be a miracle healing. It's going to be a healing. I said, but in a few days or maybe a few weeks at most, your arm will be completely healed. I guarantee it. He said, Thurman, is it that simple? I said, sure. He said, what do I need to do? I said, just go and begin to praise the Lord for your arm healed. About two weeks later, he comes screaming into my office one morning. Both hands raised like this. I said, when did it happen? He said, I don't even know. I don't even know. He said, I was out there this morning changing a hydraulic pump on a truck. And he said, I looked up and I thought, I can't do this. <laughs> I mean, if there's no pain, right? I mean, when you start up with something, if you've got severe pain, it reminds you, don't do this. But if there is no pain, you just go do whatever you want to do. And all of a sudden he realizes, Lord, I can't do this. And he nearly drops that pump on him. And he comes running up to my office and said, I'm healed, I'm healed. I said, well, what did I tell you? He said, well, that's what Jesus said. Now, see, if God will do those kind of wonderful things for me and how simple they are, what will he do for you if you pray in faith according to his word and then turn and guarantee God, God's going to do what he said he's going to do? What is he going to start doing for you? The same thing. So then, about six months later, the devil's still trying. And I hear that Larry is down in the hospital with his back. I said, well, right after work this afternoon, I guess I better run up there. They called and said, Larry had to call 911. He's in the hospital. So I went running up to the hospital, and there he is with a stretcher. I mean, he's stretched out, got them thing weights on him. I walked in, his wife and his mother there. I said, well, Larry, tell me what happened. Oh, he said, Thurman, I've been down in my back for 30 years. He said, I've been down. said, this time the doctor said my discs are all deteriorated, and I've got to have surgery this time. No exceptions to the rule. I said, well... I said, let me read you another verse in God's Word. I said, in Mark chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I mean, could he have made that any simpler? Are we a bunch of dummies in the church? I'm telling you, I now know why God called us sheep. Any of y'all ever raised sheep like I did when I was on the farm? A sheep is the only dumb animal I ever met in my life. That you can take him out there and that sheep can lay down on the side of a terrace and roll over a little bit into the water and won't even fight enough to flop to get up and lay right there in the, der- der- in the uh, uh, ditch with his head in the water and drown. You know, it, it, it won't even fight enough to get up out of the water. And I thought, Lord, when I used to see that, I said, goodness, Lord, all that sheep it had done flop over a little more and get up and walk out. Lay right there and drown. I said, Lord, now I know why you called us sheep. We're just that dumb. You give us the Word of God and all this power and armor but to fight the enemy with and he comes against us, we just flop over there and lay down the water and let him kill us. Well, I think it's time we start becoming fighting sheep, Amen. don't you? Amen. I mean, we need to become fighters. 
And so we, I told him, I told Larry, I said, you know, Jesus made you and me a promise in his word. And I said, I want to hand you your Bible and I want you to read it. He looked at it and he said, and they sh- these signs shall follow those that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I said, what do you think about that? He said, my goodness, that Matthew 18, 19 showed it worked good for my arm. He said, if it worked for my arm, that's got to work for my back. Now, see, I don't, have to, I don't have to retrain him. He's not been in church all his life. See? He's not heard some preacher tell him that God's Word don't work no more. He's not ever heard anybody say, well, these things were only for the apostles, or they went away 2,000 years ago. He's not been trained, so it's real easy for him to believe God's Word. Because I had caught myself up into the third heaven and kicked the devils out of his life. And so he said, let's do it. I reached over and laid my hands on him and said, be healed in the name of Jesus, according to Mark 16. I said, now then, sleep tonight in the morning. Get up and go to work. You're healed. I guarantee it. He said, I'll do it. I'll get a good night's rest. Next morning he woke up. I said, remember, you've got to believe God. He said, I believe him. Next morning he woke up. He said, honey, take those weights off my feet. I'm going to get up and we're going home. She said, but honey, the doctor said. He said, I don't care what the doctor said. Jesus said, I'm healed. Well, she reluctantly took the weights off. He gets up, puts his clothes on, and he's walking around the room. No pain, no nothing. Doctor walks up. What are you doing out of that bed? He said, well, doctor, doctor, Jesus healed me. I'm going to the house. He said, no, 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 no. No, no, it can't be. He said, we've done x-rays, and those three bottom discs are totally deteriorated. You can't be up walking. Oh, yeah, he said, uh, a man come by, and, and he's a man of God. And he prayed for him, and Jesus healed him. He said, I don't have a pain, nothing, I'm going to have. The doctor said, there ain't no way I'm going to let you go home. I, I've got to do some x-rays on you. He said, Doc, I'm telling you, I'm okay. Look at me. He said, look, I can walk, I can bend down. I, he, he said, I don't believe this. Isn't it amazing? The doc can't believe it, and he's doing all these wonderful things. So he says, I'm not going to let you go home until I check your back. Well, okay. So they take him in there, they x-ray him, they check him, they do everything. They spend four hours and all these machines and everything. And finally the doctor comes out and says, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Here's the x-rays for yesterday. And your three discs are totally deteriorated. And here they are today and there's not one single thing wrong with your back. <laughs> is Jesus wonderful or is he wonderful? See, now when you start guaranteeing God's word, what will God do? He'll honor it. That's exactly right. So get over this stuff of thinking my loved one can't be saved. Can I do anything to my loved one that don't want to come to Jesus? Can I do anything to my son or my daughter that is rebellious and don't want to love Jesus? Yes. Catch yourself up into the third heaven where you're seated in Christ and do warfare against the devil and his demons. And tell him where to get off. And then tell the Father according to his word, that, Lord, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. And you said no one can come into the kingdom except to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I am asking you to send the Holy Spirit. Now, see, he's left the salvation of the souls on earth to men. If you don't pray, they don't get saved. He's left everything in the hands of the church. Everything on this earth has been left in the hands of the church. When you learn that, you will do your warfare praying. And you will win souls into the kingdom of God. And you will become a fighter for Jesus. Knowing your answer is yes to every promise, every time. So you will never take no for an answer to sickness again, you'll never take no to a person that says, I don't, I'm not going to accept Jesus. You're going to keep yourself into the throne room of God until you win every one of your loved ones into the kingdom. It cannot fail because it's God's work.